morning, church. I have a message from the big kahuna for you, obviously. Great to be here. I'm glad to be back home. Had a week away last week in Melbourne for a funeral and uh, to spend time with family. That was good, but it's always great to be back in church. So great to be here. We've got uh, the prison service this afternoon with BJ and myself. So at two o'clock, if you can pray for us, that would be good. So it's always great to be able to extend ourselves into the prison. So uh, it's only one month of Christmas. Who can't wait? I've been preparing. You know, you, you, I'm not one who appreciates homemade presents, you know, like, you know, you, you don't like a little bag or anything like that. You want something that, something that they've bought. So I'm, I'm getting into it this year. I'm making all my family presents. So all my brothers and sisters, again, I, I even showed them what it was yesterday. I put something on our family page and said, hey, guys, you get ready for your presents. I'm, I'm doing uh, jarred tuna. They're going to love it. It's going to be the most healthy present they've ever had. Wild-caught tuna, homegrown garlic, thanks to Con, chilies, I think thanks to Paul O'Brien, lemons from my tree, all go in the jar, and they're going to love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the look on their face. My, my family, just like, wow. If you, have, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger in there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just keep that verse ready. Um, but I want to talk this morning about a fruitful life because what I see and, and know, and you don't have to think so far yourself, but a, a lot of the life that people experience is pretty rotten. And, and you know, we don't have to you know, search far to find these things, and we can find them, even plenty of people in church who think, my life is rotten, not because maybe they've got a physical disability or they've had um, you know, something wrong on the external, but it's because of things that go on on the internal. We could either say it's happening in our head or happening in our heart, but whatever way it is, there's this level of dissatisfaction just about life in general that we need to shake off and and live beyond living a fruitful life so if you're joining with us this morning our theme this year has been fruitful and I'm already starting to get charged up for 2019 because our our theme and we don't just choose words I believe they're born in the spirit from spending time with God and uh, really sense that God is taking our church into the future with a supernatural uh, power of God. So our theme next year is going to be all about supernatural. And I've, I've got nearly the whole year planned out of sermons. It's never happened in the history of humankind for me to have so many messages. So I'm excited for what God's going to do. Um, so I want you to start. We had a, a quick prayer time this morning here that we do every Sunday morning. But I, I wanted really for people to start uh, preparing themselves for a supernatural encounter with God. So it doesn't have to wait till next year. That can happen any time. So You've probably, though, heard about people who have somewhere in life discovered their reason, discovered their purpose. And, and uh, you know, they, they, I haven't got examples today, but I was thinking I could have a whole list of people who we think, you know, they've discovered their purpose and, and, and carried out some amazing task and, and uh, um, found what they were meant to do and did it well. But you probably know other people who have had a, a midlife crisis, um, what that is, is you get to about your 40s, I've already passed it, and suddenly realise they aren't where they wanted to be. 
Um, you know, you can have a midlife crisis at any time. But I don't want you to, to get to that point in life and run off and get a tattoo and then go rowing up the Amazon. You don't need that when you're living in the spirit. Although a big picture of my face on your back would look awesome at the beach. The core, the core of what I'm speaking about this morning is we want to get to the point in life where we know our purpose. And that is a, the, a big benefit of walking with God or having Jesus Christ in our heart is we discover who we are and discover our purpose. So this morning, I want to dispel some myths about purpose. So if we can have that, that slide up, please. It's not about uh, busyness or activities. Is, that the, is there a different way to spell busyness from business or is it just the way you say it? So that's, that means busyness, not business. It's not about busyness or activities. Purpose is about fulfillment. So people might think, oh, I'm going to find my, my purpose in life. Look how busy I am. And, and uh, have an illusion that they've found a purpose because they're just so, so busy. Um, it's not about busyness. It's not about activities. It's about a purpose that brings fulfillment. The next myth that we need to dispel it's not going to be one big thing because I think that's that's a that's a myth that we have if I could just find that one thing and we always imagine it's going to be some one big thing that is going to determine our purpose but purpose is being fully involved in living and if you you would have heard me say this before but I don't believe our life is a combination of compartments that we just enter into from time to time our life is a whole and we want to be uh, purpose uh, purposeful and fruitful in every single element of our life so in our spiritual life I don't think there's a there's a difference between uh, some people say well my ministry is out there in the world and your ministry is here in the church you know, I think that's nonsense our ministry is our life wherever we might be so my ministry doesn't happen on Sunday morning my ministry happens wherever I am so purpose is being fully involved in living. So uh, the third myth that we need to dispel, it's not what makes me famous. So people might be thinking, well, I just need to find my purpose because I need my own TV show. I'm still waiting, but it's not what makes me famous. That was a joke, everybody. <laughs> purpose is about serving others with heart. When I say with heart, I mean with the right attitude, with love, with grace, with, with uh, mercy for others. So it's not what makes me famous. Purpose is about serving others with heart. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 tells us this in the New Living Translation. It's only two sentences. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. See, these two sentences written by the Apostle Paul to the church at, at a place called Corinth in Greece speaks to us today on our purpose. I'm going to give you a little bit of history lesson so you do know that I, I, I read my Bible and I study a little bit, not very much. But it's believed that Paul himself established the church in Corinth. He was the pioneer pastor of this church at a place called Corinth in Greece. Um, and as was his way, he was passionately connected with the people and maintained a, a credible connection to the fellowship of believers in Corinth. 
Uh, he wrote letters, he, he uh, gave them instructions, he brought correction, and he encouraged them. Uh, and he also, uh, after establishing the church, he went off and did other things, and he always came back and visited to see how things were go- going along and what the health of the church was like. So it's a distinguishing feature that I see in Paul is his unusual connection with the church and his relationship, his knowledge of the people. And I think that's a really big fact that we need to start to get our thinking around is purpose is always connected with people. And they both start with P. Also, if you look at uh, um, Paul's life, uh, a great picture of this relationship and connection that he has with people is Romans chapter 16. Uh, If you read through that, Paul has a personal knowledge of that church um, and, and he mentions people, he mentions their name, where they live and all these different things about them because Paul has uh, discovered the power of people and relationships. So Paul gives us an amazing pattern to follow of discipling others with care, with authority and with local knowledge. And you can't find that, you can't get to that without being committed to friendships and relationships or committed to your church. So he has an unusual level of communication that still speaks to church today. When I read the, the, the New Testament or, or big, big parts of it, the, the parts that Paul wrote, I have a sense that Paul is speaking directly to me. And I'm thinking, well, he's talking about stuff that we go through today. He's talking about problems in church that, that we see today. He's talking at a level that is so relevant and real to my life. I think it's incredible. But Paul had come to terms with his purpose and became fruitful in it. And I believe that we can too. I believe that you can too become at peace with your purpose and discover what God has in you. So we're going to pull apart this verse um, in a way to help us discover our purpose. There are seven points that Paul shares that uh, when, uh, when these points are applied, they'll result in our lives being productive and fruitful. Now, if you read the book of Genesis, if you've been reading your Bible lately, um, you'll find in the book of Genesis, over and over again, God tells people, he told Adam and Eve, and he told Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. And it's a big factor of God's nature that people uh, multiply and are fruitful in their life, in their living. That can mean lots of things for lots of people. If you're in business, here's something to get your head around. God wants you to be a multiplying business. He wants you to do well in your business. If you have a family, he wants you to multiply, uh, you know, in sort of different ways. If you, if you are in any endeavor, God loves to see that multiply in your life to make your life better and stronger. So I'm going to just take this uh, one, one little bit at a time. Now, as I say, this, this, portion of scripture is only two sentences but what I love about the word of God is there's some I, I think all of it you can find so much but this is just absolutely loaded it's like it's like a hamburger with a lot it's like a pizza with the, 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 the everything you can possibly think of by the way has anyone seen those those uh, short videos of, of in Naples in Italy where where they they do a prank and they go to people's houses have ordered pizza and there's pineapple on the pizza it's like you should see the reaction of these people from Naples. It's like they throw the pizza at them and they, they yell at them, they chase them down the stairs, chase them down the street, saying, what, what are you doing with pineapple on this pizza? It's like just you don't ever do it. 
So just remember that. Pineapple is not meant for pizza. Okay, the first thing we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul starts by saying an introduction. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, the, the big factor that I see in that one statement is that we are equal in the church. We are equal under Christ. Equality in the church is foundational. The church has, from the start, recognized the significant role of people. Maybe turn to people around you here this morning, have a look around, and we are all equal. There's a big thing that, that Jesus said, don't allow anyone to call you father when it comes to, to spiritual things, because that means that someone is greater. So what we need to have in the church is a realization that we are brothers and sisters, and Paul is declaring that quite clearly here. So um, in life generally, all our systems fail or they fall apart when we don't have connections with people. This address that Paul gives of brothers and sisters, it's an indicator that in the church, men and women are valued and have the call of God equally. He says brothers and sisters. And, and he's, he's talking to them at an equal level. Church men and women are valued. We have the call of God equally. Um, I must say men and women are equal, but they are different. That's all. There's differences between men and women. And we need to realize that. Another thing that I've noticed in the book of Genesis over and over again, it says God created them male and female. So where did our gender come from? It came from God's design. It's not something we need to be ashamed of or confused about. We need to say, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm who I am because that's who God made mankind to be. It's not so, it's not so controversial. And it shouldn't be. It's never supposed to be. But men and women are equal, but we are different. That's all. In Joel 2 verse 29, one of my um, all-time favorite scriptures, it says, In those days I'll pour out my spirit. God's talking about the end times, the days in which we live. In those days I'll pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women. The key word is alike. So God doesn't say, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on, on, on young men. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on old men. Um, I'm going to only pour out the, the, the Spirit on little boys. It says, I'll pour out my Spirit on men and women alike. So we, you know, if, if you're of any gender here today, you need to realize that you can be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the anointing of God upon, upon your life. And it doesn't matter whether you were born male or female. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, both men and women alike. Alike means the same. It means equal value. It means equal purpose and equal call in God's plan. So I want you to start to allow that to, to uh, permeate your thinking. So our purpose is not restricted or, or defined by who, who you are or what you think of yourself. Your purpose by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, you will... Um, you are not less than the next person. And what I would love to see, a good, strong community that values those around them and lifts each other up to higher purpose. So it's always good to see people who lift others up. Uh, why we have worship in church? Because it lifts us together. Uh, why, we, why we spend time um, in, in church uh, doing those kind of things is because we all sing together. We all worship God together. 
We, we bring ourselves into that place where we're honouring the name of Jesus together in unity. That's another big factor. If we want to have a strong, fruitful life, find others in which you live life in unity with. And sometimes in church, the unity only comes from when we, we hate the same people. That's not a good point of unity. Be in the place of unity where you love the same people, where you love the same church. Some people think, well, why doesn't our church ever grow? Why don't we see the good things of God? Why don't we see the, the miracles and the supernatural power of God? And yet every time that they think church is an, uh, uh, an, an analysis of what they didn't do right or what they did wrong or what they could have done or should have done, that's not the way to have a, a blessing of unity. It doesn't come from that. That one not in my notes, so sorry if that offended you. Um, the second thing that Paul says is be strong. <clears throat> when I read that, I interpret that of have the, the spirit or the attitude of a winner. Spiritually minded, be a winner. Even, even when it looks like what you see is you're losing, have an attitude of a winner. I think it's... a. I can't think of the verse right off the top of my head. It's either Jeremiah 8.3 or 3.8, or it could be Isaiah. Give you some homework. But it says, in the New Living Translation, it says, don't think that any plan conceived behind closed doors will ever hurt you. That's a winner scripture. That means if you, if you allow that to be your, your strength, you can say, well, they plan to get rid of me. They plan to, to cut me out. They plan not to choose me. But when you have a scripture like that, that it becomes your anchor point, you can say, well, that, that, that little moment in my life is not going to hurt me. I'm going to go on to better things. Romans 8 verse um, 31 tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? A winner thinks about things they can make better. A winner is focused on self-development and the development of others around them. So uh, being strong starts with healthy input and exercise. So if you think of that physically, you think healthy input, you've got to eat the right stuff. You've got to have the right food, have the, the right balance of energy and, and uh, all the other stuff you need to stay healthy, which I'm not sure about. But you've got to be strong starts with, with healthy input and exercise so it's good food good coach a good gym to belong to all those things so if you want to be healthy spiritually you've got to have a good word going into your life somehow you've got to get get God's word as food to your soul food to you spiritually get that into you a good word you've got to have good leaders good pastors people who who you go to for mentoring and coaching and and guidance um, in the right way, in the balanced way. It's not manipulation or controlling or, or, or trying to, to um, uh, unhealthily um, be the, the, the standard point in your life. That's unhealthy, but you want to have a good, healthy relationship. See, a coach in a sporting sense is great when you're in the pool, when you're lifting the weights, when you're, when you're doing the exercise, they're helping your stamina, they're growing your strength. But you don't want them to go home with you. You have to live there by yourself with your wife, not with the coach in the bed. So we need the same spiritually. We need to have a spirit of cooperation, a spirit of submission, but we also have a spirit of, of, of our personal responsibility to the Lord. Does that all make sense there? And you need to be part of a good church. That's all, all three simple elements 
to being strong. The third one, immovable. Immovable. Not washed away easily. That, that is about being planted, committed, uh, determined. You don't just up and leave. You're not absent from, from time to time. You're planted. This, this thing, immovable, talks to me about uh, finishing what you start. It's about completion. I'll tell you something. People who complete things, they're a sought-after kind of person. It's a sought-after credential that if you're known as a person who finishes things, you don't want to be known as a person who starts lots of things. We all know people who start things. They start with great fervor, start with great desire, start with, with great energy, but you think, well, three, down, three months down the track, you think, well, where did that go? That's all stopped. We want to be people who have a credential card that, that tells people, I've completed what I've started. Completion is a great key. Philippians 1 verse 6. Paul again speaks and he says, And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So I don't want you just to be people in church who just start lots of things but never complete things, but I want us to be a one-heart church that completes things, that finishes things that we start. So to do that, be planted. I know it's a swear word to many people, but be committed. That, you know, if, if you've been manipulated in church, you hear things like this and think, oh, here we go again, the manipulator comes out. No, I just want you to be fruitful and growing in the things of God. And these are the, the simple rules. If you follow, you'll find yourself growing. You'll find yourself going, hey, well, that would have really rocked me two years ago. But now I'm solid. Now I'm immovable. That thing that came against me is, is, is not going to take me out. That's where you know you've grown because you, you think, well, I'm immovable now. Little things that would have rocked you. You think, well, I can get through this. I don't, ha I don't have to panic. Be planted. Be committed. It's a factor that sets up the winner. Have an immovable heart to God. And when it gets tough, you have an immovable heart. The other, the other factor of this being immovable is when it gets easy, have an immovable heart. Because I find a lot of people, that, that they're crying out to God, Lord, I really have this desperation point. Um, you know, they're, they're in the pastor's office every, every second day. They're crying out to God. They're seeing everyone in church. They're having prayer meetings. They're, 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 they're at everything because they want God to do something. And then when it gets easy, guess what? They go absent. I see that over and over again. If God would just fix my marriage, oh, just all I want is my marriage fixed. You know what? The marriage gets fixed and then they're like, they fly away into the sunset. Or they want their business to work and then suddenly all the things happen that they desire to happen and then it get, life gets easy and then they say, well, you know what? You won't find me around that much because I don't need God right now. The fourth key. But stay tuned, stay planted is, is the thing I want you to see there. Be immovable. Have a heart to God in all situations, good and bad. Just have a commitment that says, God, I'm going to be found in your house. God, I'm going to be found with your people. I'm going to be immovable in my convictions. Number four is always work. There's another swear word. Doing nothing is never an option. 
Finding your gift, uh, developing your strength, only come by doing something with what you've got. I just encourage you with, with uh, our growth track. We've been rolling that out in the church and over the next year, um, I think everyone will have an opportunity in the church who wants to do it to go through a growth track course. This is really good development time because you discover about yourself, your strength. You'll discover about our church and, and where you could use that strength in the life of the church. And um, I think it's a, a really good key that we have. But it's a, we, we are committed as a church to helping you find your strength and find the place where you need to use it within the context of church. And when you find that in the context of church, purpose begins to unveil in other parts of your life. Authority starts to come into other parts of your life. So we need to realize that that, uh, spiritually, when we have those things in order, it changes a lot of things around our world. But um, I want you to, um, to, to work for God in all that you do. It's not what you do here on Sunday. Working for God is where you are on Monday to Friday. Keep doing stuff. Be creative. Help other people. You just never know who might be out there who may need your input. But satisfaction, but the, 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 that thing about work, satisfaction flows from achievement. If you never work at anything, you've probably never achieved anything. That's why it's really, really important when we find people who've lost hope that we've got to find them something to Uh, connect into so that they can start achieving again because if you if you just think well I've lost hope I've I've, I've not done anything really Um, all all my all my hopes have gone then if you if you're just going to sit in that hopelessness then you're never going to you're never going to feel that sense of achievement because you're never doing anything to achieve you've got to do something keep doing stuff be creative Find ways to help people. Um, if it's only a little bit that you can do, then just do a little bit, but just do something. The, four, uh, the fifth one, a great word, enthusiastically. If you're looking for motivation, be enthusiastic. It's an attitude. So if you're thinking, well, I've got nothing to be enthusiastic about, you know something? Think of it like this. Jesus is choosing you. Jesus has chosen you. That's something to be enthusiastic about. Jesus wants you to be his partner. You're the chosen one. You're the first pick. Jesus wants to elevate you to, to be his partner for exactly what you're purposed for. You know, we used to do folk dancing at school. Who remembers that? B-I-N-G-O. Oh. And Bingo was his name. Oh, I'm a singer too. Well, at folk dancing, they had this really, really soul-destroying little part of it where the girls got to choose their partner. And so they'd have all the boys on one side, all the girls on the other, and the girls have to choose a partner. And have a guess who's always like second last to get chosen. And it'd be like the other guy's only got one hand, so it's like he's last. And I'll be somewhere like second last. And Angela with the glasses chooses me. 
It's pretty hard to feel enthusiastic at folk dancing when you're the last one picked. But I want to tell you something. When it comes to your walk with God, you're the first pick in your life. You know that? There's no competition. There's no competition in, in your relationship with Jesus. You're the first pick. There's only you and God, only you and Jesus in this. So you don't want to, you don't want to be missing out on your pick because, because when he's calling you, you're saying, oh, no, 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 not me. No, not me. God doesn't want me. Yes, he does. He wants, to, he wants to bring you to a place of fruitfulness and fulfillment and, and uh, um, blessing into every part of your life. And, and the, the, the only thing that's holding us back is that, that we're not enthusiastically embracing after Jesus. We're saying, oh, well, there must have been someone standing behind me. Learn to talk enthusiastically. Smile. Recognize opportunities when they come from God. My opportunities, so, so today I stand, I, 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 I sit or stand on the state executive of the ACC churches. Somehow or other, I don't know even how it happened, I, I became vice president. But it didn't come by, by one day, just a, a, a surprise from heaven. I'll tell you where that all started was back in the 1980s, all I had was a green XB Falcon and I used to drive people to church in it and I used to pick up the papers after church and, 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 and set the chairs back up because we have a, a number of services. I'd straighten all the chairs in the, in the Kevin Hines Garden Centre is where our church was in Doncaster and that's where the ministry began. And no one asked me to preach. In fact, I, did, I, I couldn't preach. No one asked me to lead anything, but I found myself with a set of keys for this building and I'd get there early, drive the truck with the chairs and unload the truck with the chairs and all these things. You've heard this a million times from me, but I'll tell you something, that's where the call of God starts. So you've got, if, if you want to do um, a, you know, better in your fruitfulness, you start taking notice of things that no one else notices. So it's just like, hey, there's a little bit of crumbs on the carpet. Oh, I can deal with that. There's someone who needs coffee. I can do that. There's, they're not great things that you have to do for God to bring out greatness in you, but it's about commitment. It's about um, starting working and it's sticking with it. Learn to talk enthusiastically. Smile about it. Be enthusiastic because enthusiasm attracts. You ever seen people who think, well, there's no one helping me? No one helping me do this. You know what? Uh, Pauline always says her mum makes a trip to the tip sound exciting. <laughs> so it's not about what you do. It's about what's in you. So, you know, if you, hey, come on, I'm going to load the trailer. Let's go to the tip. It's going to be awesome. Who, who's coming? Yeah, we'll have a picnic at the tip. <laughs> That's a bit extreme. But we've, we've, got to, we've got to have an enthusiasm in our spirit for the call and the gifts of God that he has for us in our church. Moving on. Verse, uh, uh, it moves on, he says, For you know, for you know, this is a really important factor, know what you know because revelation is power. Know what you know in the things of God. So the word of God revealed to your heart, to your spirit, brings authority. Um, brings authority over your situations, over your needs, over everything in your life. A word that you hang on to, a word that is a revelation, has power in your, in your life. 
I read this in Every Day with Jesus quite a while ago. It's not enough to select an appropriate passage to aim at the devil. You must link yourself to it in absolute trust and believe it to be the eternal word of God. That's what I'm talking about. John 4 verse 50 uh, is, a, is an amazing story. The background is Jesus was in a, was in a place called Cana. Um, but it says in Capernaum, it's not that far away, there was a government official, there was a man there whose son was very sick and it says he was about to die. So when you think of that, when someone's really sick and they're about to die, it's like they, 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 they hardly move, their eyes are closed, they're, they're probably getting that, that death rattle in their, in their breathing. And so this father's going, my son is um, about to die, here's a desperate situation. And it says in verse 47, so Jesus is in a place called Cana and, and this father is in a place called Capernaum. It's, it's two different places, but it says he went to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and says, my son's deathly ill, I, I need a miracle. And Jesus says, says to him, go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said. And it says he started home. So some of us need to understand that the man had to go to where Jesus was. So being in church is a great place to start where Jesus is. If Jesus is not in your church, then you need to find another church. It says he went, he went to find Jesus. So from Capernaum to Cana, it's about 26 kilometers by walk. It's not a quick walk. You wouldn't do that distance for the exercise. You wouldn't do that, you wouldn't do that kind of a walk just as a, as, a, as a thing to spend some time on a stroll. But he has, this father has a revelation. If I can get to Jesus, then maybe there's hope for my son. And I want to tell you whatever it is, you're, you're, you might think my career is nearly dead. My career is nearly over. My marriage is, is, is having its last breath. My, my relationships with my children are, are, are on you know, death's row. Whatever it is that you're facing, you're thinking it seems like a desperate situation. But in desperation, this father did what he had to do by walk, 26 kilometers to be where he knew he could find Jesus. And he said, Jesus, you need to help my son. From Capernaum to Cana, in that desperate situation. In our desperate situations, it's not time to stop seeking Jesus. Stop, it's not our time to stop being in church. It's time to go deeper in the things of God. That's the time to walk as far as you have to until Jesus reveals his word to you. Don't disconnect from the purpose of God when things look like they're, they're finished. And sometimes that's all you can do is hang on to God's word. If you need a, a word to hang on to today, especially if you're f f uh, dealing with things in, in your uh, home life, a good one to start is Psalm 128. Just write that down. Go and have a look at it at home tonight. It speaks about you know, uh, family and all sorts of stuff there. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, areas in, in life today where there's breakdown of fruitfulness, breakdown of, of purpose is our families. And God wants to speak life into your family in every part of it. God wants to bring restoration between fathers and, and children, between husbands and wives between 
uh, relatives of all sorts, God wants to bring healing because that's sometimes where the greatest breakdowns are is when we're in family relationships. My last point, number seven. It says, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love this piece of scripture. So there is a reason, there's a prize, there's a reward for our labor in God's harvest. There's a reward for you. Our purpose is for God's kingdom that we want to serve and be part of now. Let's not be left wondering what could have been. Rather be activated by God for God's purpose, for fruitful living. God's purpose for fruitful living starts by having that connection, that relationship with Jesus. And I think we give ourselves a disservice by thinking that was just an event that I did way back in 1975 where, where I, I, I went out in a church service and asked Jesus to come into my life. That was a start point, but it's not the only thing. So I want you to be encouraged today to always be stepping into a closer relationship with Jesus, a closer desire for the things of God. Just like that father who found himself in a desperate situation, he's, he had to start out one step at a time until he found Jesus. Maybe he got to Cana and he started asking, where is Jesus? Does anyone know where he is? And he might have gone from house to house or for, from place to place until he found Jesus. And then he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't holding back. He went right up to him and said, Jesus, I need your help. And if we're going to enter into the fruitfulness, the purpose of God, we need to be unashamed to go to the face of Jesus and cry out for his help, for his reason to come to our lives. So here today, Jesus wants to revitalize you for that life. He wants to let you know that you can have that life of purpose. You can live that life of fruitfulness. No, no, not only does God want you to be there, He has purposed you to be there. I really feel today there are, there are people who are discouraged. There are people who are disappointed. And there are people who are disillusioned. And I want to speak directly to you this morning. Perhaps you could just close your eyes as I speak this morning. If you are in that discouraged point, Jesus is your strength. It's not about what you're feeling. Jesus is your strength. He is your rock. I want to encourage you with that. You think, well, I'm discouraged. I just feel empty. Jesus is your rock. Jesus is your strength. You need to grab a hold of that. If you're here with disappointments, Jesus is your provision today. He is the one who will provide for you. He was the one who will take what you need and give you what, 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 you, what you haven't got and give you what you need, I should say. Jesus is your provision. And if you're disillusioned, that's a good thing because it means that all the illusions are now gone. And Jesus wants you to begin to see him and see what he has for you. So when you're thinking, oh, I feel disillusioned with church. I feel disillusioned with life. You know, that means that the illusion's been dissipated. It's gone. Now you can start seeing what really is there. So God wants you to see with spiritual eyes what is really there. There are also those who are starting their journey. Be encouraged today. Jesus chooses you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. 
take hold of every opportunity that comes your way because you just never know what that may be communicating to God when you say, I'll, I'll do that thing. I'll take that opportunity. I'll, I'll realize those things. I'll see the things that others don't see. And if that's you this morning, why don't we just stand to our feet? Because I think just to, to wind things up today, just like that father had to go on that journey, 26 kilometers from Kana to Capernaum, he had to take a step and then another step and another step. I don't know how many steps there are in, in 26 kilometers. But today, if, you, if you're saying, you know what, I can't afford to live another year of unfruitfulness. I can't afford to live another year with the, with the disappointment, the, the, the disillusionment, with the discouragement. I can't afford to do another, another day like that. Then take a step. I'm not going to pray with people here this morning. I'm not going to ask anyone else to pray with you, but I want you to do business with Jesus himself today. So I'm going to take a step just like that man went from Kana to Capernaum and, and come down the front here. We're going to sing this song a few times and while we're doing that, so come quickly, you just start saying, Jesus, I'm desperate for you. Jesus, I, I, I know that you're the one who's chosen me. I want to get in line with those things and God, I don't want to live another day with these things in my life. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to bring them to you. And will you, do, will you deal with that supernaturally, spiritually in me? So why don't you come as we sing? Thanks, Beth. I'm just going to give you an opportunity this morning if you're new to all this or maybe you've just been away from God for a while and you want to come back. We're going to give you just a moment to respond to Jesus right now. If you don't know who Jesus is or you're thinking I've never become a Christian, I've never made that decision, you can today. Jesus made it very clear that those who believe Him have their sins forgiven who recognize his death upon the cross is our salvation our sanctification from the, that thing that separates us from our sin is Jesus and when we believe that when we accept that then we go from what we talk about in spiritual death to spiritual life and that's where Jesus wants you to go perhaps if you're here this morning and you need to make that step you can today just with, with me, I'll ask you to pray this prayer. If you've never done that before, you're doing it for the first time, or you want to come back to the Lord, then this prayer is relevant for you too. So we can pray it all together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you forgive me of my sins. I want to be right with Jesus. Thank you for your death upon the cross. I want to live for you. Thank you for, for forgiving my sins. I believe in Jesus as my Savior. Amen. The Bible says those who confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. And that is a true confession of our faith. Perhaps if you've done that for the first time, come and see me. Uh, if you've done that as a rededication today, then uh, come and see me or talk to one of our pastors and we'd love to uh, pray with you and believe with you for that to um, really be sealed into your life today, that it, it is a new day.
So don't live one more day without purpose. Don't live one more day with discouragement, disappointment or disillusionment. Step out. Go after Jesus. And don't stop until you find him and get a word. God bless your church. It's been great this morning.